And finally, we get to that more light-hearted part of the program, the quirky news. And to support me in this more obscure look at traffic and transport, I have on the line Brian Smith. Good day, Brian. Good David. And Errol Smith. Good day, Errol. Good day, David. Now, uh, Brian, you start with a story. David, it's a bit of a blast from the past, and uh, it's a 1958 um, sort of a safety concept car. It was developed in Massachusetts. It's called Survival, so two separate words, Sir, uh, <coughs> as in the peer, and then Vival. And it's, um, it was a man called Walter Jerome from Massachusetts. In 1958, he created what he termed a revolutionary vehicle, and it was fairly revolutionary. It, for the first time, uh, introduced a, a few safety concepts that... Uh, have become standard, including things like a seat belts, uh, roll cage, uh, uh, sliding side doors, side lights, and things like that. But it was a it was an unusual vehicle because he was really interested in um, uh, making things safer than vehicles were at the time. But very coolly, the the uh, the pe- the people carrying compartment of the car was separate from the engine, so it was like in in kind of like two pieces, so that the engine and the wheels were, uh, two of the wheels were at the front, and there was a kind of a pivoted towing arrangement where the, uh, the, the where you sat in a sort of a trailer behind the separate pivoting uh, engine and cab, and so you could drive it from sitting inside a turret, something like uh, a meter above the rear passenger seat, with a with a circular wraparound um, turret, a, a fascinating Wind concept, screen. windscreen, yes. Yeah, so, a fascinating concept. Uh, of course, I I can't I, I can't understand how it would have uh, handled. It was very very expensive. Uh, it was more than double the price of uh, the most expensive Cadillac at the time. Uh, but uh, look, it looked really interesting. Uh, the whole idea about um, having the, the the car pivoting is uh, is fascinating. What did you think of it, David? Uh, look, yes, you say a trailer at the back. In, the, in fact, the trailer part was bigger and lumpier. It looks like it's been put together with panels from old washing machines. <laughs> it, it's not what you would call an elegantly looking car. It reminded me a little bit of the Homer Simpson car. Yes, yep. I, was, I was thinking of it too. It's like, it's like the Homer Simpson car designed by a safety engineer. Yeah, yeah and, and Homer Simpson, of course, had that great line, I think I've said before, in my car, it has a horn here, here and here, because you never know when you might need it. And it's got a big circular bumper, sort of like a Dodgem car, hasn't it? When you yeah. f- well, I filled with like air. It's a Dodgem. Filled with air, mm. which was you know, precedes the latest Citroen Cactus, which has that sort of bubble wrap on the side door. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yes, I saw that, this. That, that principle of you know, trying to have some sort of cushioning effect rather than the chrome bumper bar, which was popular at the time. And even the headlights turned with the, uh, with the car. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the front is a little bit like an articulated tractor, and the whole thing sort of pivots in the middle to steer. Yeah, it's very strange. Imagine driving yeah. it. It would be a very unusual feel, wouldn't it? I, I can imagine it would get out of shape pretty quickly. And I would imagine it would be hard to get it back into shape. Yes. Mm. I don't Jack think it was, it was ever in shape in the first place. <laughs> um, it, this is not an attractive vehicle, and, and I didn't think it was possible, but it's even uglier from the back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, it has that sort of 
boot uh, bonnet line on the front, and then there's the pivot point. Then it has this big bit on the back with a turret in it where the driver sits up in the turret, thus having great vision. Well, hey, he preceded the notion of the SUV. Mm. Yes. It's driving high. <laughs> yeah, sitting up sitting high. Up high. Yeah, exactly. That's, Seeing over yeah. the traffic. Now, it says the two-section body minimises impact on collisions. That, to me, sounds like it's more from the marketing yeah. department than from the engineers, but I'm not sure of the veracity of the research behind that. Yeah, yeah it doesn't. We shouldn't be too cynical. I mean, some projections back there were quite good. They had the notion of autonomous cars back then, albeit as ones that almost went on rails, you know, went along a very defined route, but they had the notion of people inside it reading the newspaper or doing other activities. Mm. I mean, it does have features that there is a modern equivalent of. So the way that the, the front follows the road and the lights basically sort of peek around the corner, I mean, you've had that mechanically um, in the past few decades and now electronically in modern cars. Mm. And, um, and I, I think the airfield rubber bumper is um, actually a good idea. It would save a lot of, you know, parking scrapes and probably – Probably be a better option if you were a pedestrian and if you wanted to get hit by something. I'd prefer something with a rubber bumper. <laughs> it's a very cool element about the windscreen for the driver, which is which is circular in this sort of turret, uh, that uh, in order to work as uh, to wipe it from the rain, it, it circulates around. So it sort of spins and the, there are fixed wipers that, uh, that keep it clean. An amazing concept. <laughs> Well, I was in Barcelona the other, uh, well, a little while ago, and uh, they had a toilet seat like that. That when you got up in that, it rotated around and thus cleaned the toilet to the seat. The last person's seated position. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the next, the second person after you gets to sit on your warm seat. <laughs> well, it's, well, uh, yes. it, well, believe it or not, this thing is still around. I found uh, some photos of it sitting in a sort of collector's lot. Yeah, it's and a bit, sort of it's in a rust, a bit rusting sad, heat. isn't it? Yeah, yes, it it is it is loosely based on a uh, 1948 Hudson, but um, and you can see bits of that in there next to the other a real Hudson, but uh, oh yeah, probably more the back half of it. Yes, the the back door and things, and had rear side lights, which I thought was rather nice. All right, well, we've got to be adventurous. We should. uh, It was as ugly as sin, but do not think that we should dismiss it. Out of hand. Fair enough. Never practical, but there we go. And now a story. The world's greatest highway system raised the standard. I'm reading from the press report, but which is basically US speak for we are the greatest. It is a road in Seattle. It goes across the water, and it now lays a claim to being the world's longest floating bridge. 2.4 kilometres. The Guinness Book of Records certified the bridge as the world's longest floating highway, so therefore it must be right. It's interesting. It's a new road across there. There was an old bridge beside it. It now, they claim, will enhance regional mobility, but it also has a new carpool and transit lanes and dedicated pathways for cyclists and pedestrians. So it's modern in that sense, but it's a floating bridge. Gentlemen, would you feel comfortable on it? Well... Are you asking me, am I in a boat or a car? <laughs> so, so I'm this in is a boat. A... I'm, I'm annoyed by it, I think. That's my I, job, floating. I, get, I, I can get seasick, David, so it's, I'm slightly concerned. They get heavy seas in the Puget Sound? 
They say that it has been built to SR520, or that's the name of the bridge, which is imaginative, I suppose, but it will sustain winds up to about 143 kilometres an hour. I wouldn't have thought that was the maximum design wind speed you should be catering for. I would have put it higher. Well, if it's Mm. a floating bridge, I'm interested in waves, not so much about wind. Or does it bounce up and down? Yeah, and and, uh, could heavy trucks on it act like sails and you could actually, you know, um, move sideways as well as forward? Yeah, well, you know, I, was, that... I was wondering about that too, how it's stabilised laterally. Yeah. Uh, but I wonder, if, is this a way to drive on water? Yes. Yeah. As, as uh, close clearly. as you can get. But I like well, you the don't idea of getting to be right. I like the idea of the undulations and, uh, you know, you could be driving and then suddenly feel a bit ill. I wonder if it bow- bows out in a high wind so it sort of gets a curve on it, you know, like it's being pushed out more in the <laughs> middle. <laughs> yes, okay, yeah. But, uh, now, I'm not quite sure that it, it's actually right down on the water. That, that it's got uh, pontoons, but I think they build uh, some... It's, it's hard to see. I've looked at a number of pictures, but they're mainly from the air. Are they attached to, not... the, to the bottom, do you think? Mm. So I think the flight... No, no, no. They're attached to the pontoon that floats, but they are a bit up above the water then, and there may be room, I don't know, to get a canoe or something slightly bigger, certainly not it. a big boat. Yeah. Okay. It looks certainly I, I don't if, know. You, if you break down on this, uh, it's wise to carry an anchor. <laughs> Just throw that now, out the window. If you get waves going along, along the, you know, underneath, along the road. Oh, okay, yeah. You, you could, instead of then catching the waves in the water, you could skateboard <laughs> along the road. Like surfing. Yeah, throw the, the fishing line out the side. You could be trolling. As you as you going past, <laughs> this could save th- this could save fuel, David. You you just put your car in neutral, catch the wave, and just you sit all the way to the yeah, other side you of gotta, the bridge. You got to dive underneath it when you're coming in the other direction, <laughs> like a dolphin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you have to sort of tack to change lanes? Yeah. Well, look, certainly I'd advise people just keep the windows up. I think when they're driving this. Yeah. Don't don't don't, don't put out the spinner car. <laughs> yeah, Brian, you mentioned the wind and it might push that. There was one great railway bridge in Scotland that they had designed very carefully with the wind forces going through it and they added a factor of safety. But what they forgot to allow for was when there was a train on the bridge and the wind blew against it, it represented a much bigger sail. Classic. Classic and the bridge, the bridge fell down. The other thing about that and undulating and riding a skateboard, when I went through engineering, we were shown the Tacoma Narrows Bridge, which was a suspension bridge, which was designed to cope with all the weights and all the wind just doing on it until the wind got it into an oscillation. Oh, that yeah. side bridge is yeah. awesome. so I think not, that's, that's a very famous video. Of, yeah, it's uh, up yes, and down, the, isn't it? It's not yes, about, yeah. it's not oscillation swinging like a swing. It's an oscillation where you go along the bridge and it's a wave. Yeah, there's a ripple, a ripple travelling along the bridge. Longitudinal yeah. wave, yeah. yeah. yeah Errol, a story. Errol, a story. Well, this is, a, this is another story of a bridge. You might think that if 50 motorists intentionally block a bridge, it's for a protest or something of significance, but not so much in San Francisco, where an organised group, unnamed, 
blocked the Bay Bridge, California's busiest, so they could do donuts and burn rubber on the famous bit of bitumen. And not surprisingly, a bunch of the hoons recorded their fun and put it online, leaving law enforcement with some evidence, though there's been no arrests so far. Uh, A number of the cars removed or obscured their license plates, making tracking them down a little harder. Would you do this? Look, oh, it's it, it's not the first time it's happened, actually. This happens mm. in Australia, too, where uh, a bunch of racers will go out and uh, some at the rear will, um, you know, sit in every lane, slow down, slow down, slow down, and, and cause a big queue behind them to give a lot of clear space in front for people to drag race. And so it does happen. It's rare, I suppose. But, but uh, yes, it's a bit naughty. Can I say... I, I, I'm over burnouts uh, and, and that. I remember when the McLaren F1 came out, a beautiful car, wonderfully designed with the unique feature that the driver sat in the middle and two passengers sat, sat slightly back on either side. Yeah, but n- not, was... not, not dissimilar from the Sova Vol. <laughs> yes. Now, I remember that being filmed going around a track. It, did, it, it went oversteer there and a whiff of smoke came out. And I just thought that was fantastic. Now, <laughs> if you do anything, you've got to do it over the top. It's not just a whiff of smoke. It's got to be a whole chimney of... Yeah, you you've know, got to, if, if you haven't destroyed the tyres, then you obviously weren't trying hard enough. Yes. So you've got to yeah. roll coal. You roll cold, yes, of uh, you know, smoke coming out the exhaust pipe. But, uh, you know, burnouting your tyres, uh, surely that's passe pass now, isn't it? Um, you know, the summer nats. Is there anything different each year at the summer nats? Uh, you're getting old, aren't you, David? Yes, I am. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, it's even a con. In the summer nats, they put narrow tyres on the car so they spin easily and then blow out. And, of course, they don't cost cost as much. That's That's... Like, I don't know. Uh, it's that's cheating. To my mind. It's cheating. <laughs> yes. Are there no rules for this? I think there's rules. I think there's I, I scoff laws, David. Scoff laws. Yes. I, I think the main rule is don't get caught. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So why do you do it? Yeah, to put it on Facebook. Well, yeah. It doesn't show, show off to the other mates who are into the same stuff. Yeah. We're talking about some tragic stories. Brian, you have one as well. David, this is one about priorities. And uh, Broome police uh, have charged a suspended driver after he, uh, he they, they pulled him over. They found he had cartons of beer buckled into the car seats, but his children unrestrained sitting on the floor. Uh, the routine traffic con- patrol on the Great Northern Highway near Broome um, the other day, several children in the car, including a baby under a year old, sitting on the laps of the adults or in footwells, but plenty of cartons of beer were securely strapped into the seats. A 27-year-old man, he's not named, has been charged with uh, not having authority to drive, as he, we said he was a suspended driver, and failure to restrain a child. And, and there's a slightly sinister, more sinister aspect to this, is that um, there's a bit of sly grogging goes on up in the Kimberley, uh, particularly around... Uh, uh, nearby dry Aboriginal communities um, that have liquor restrictions on them, and uh, some people will, uh, you know, run alcohol into these dry communities to sell them. And in this case, they were they uh, placed a higher value on getting that beer safely to the other side than their children. 
Uh, let me say on uh, uh, a very serious point, uh, it is an Aboriginal community, but I heard some research the other day from um, Norman Swan, ABC health reporter, brilliant guy, won three Walkley Awards. He is a brilliant interviewer. He is top of his field in terms of reporting. He asks clever, concise questions. Anyway, so I respect him. He was saying that the average Aboriginal and in, in community does not drink more than average. So while we're telling a story here, we're talking about an, an extreme case, mm. not an, a typical case. Well, it does, and his point, I'm not sure it was an Aboriginal gentleman who was pulled over. He may well have been an European oh, okay. fellow. Yeah, yes. there's, there's, no, there's no suggestion of the... Uh, oh, know. right. So he might have been sly grogging it yes, to an Aboriginal to our, area. And that's what mm. they believe. There's been quite a lot of... Uh, of what they call uh, significant amounts of alcohol being conveyed along that route. And, uh, yeah, so there's no indication of the ethnicity no, of the but, driver. But, but he was going to an Aboriginal community. But I do want to make the point I guess. That, that, that we so easily think or assume that a lot of the, uh, 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 Aboriginals are drinking excessively. Apparently, the research says that a few drink a lot, and a lot of them, therefore, are below average. Mm. So, uh, I, I, you know, I, I think that's an important point. Oh, well, they're not NRL players, David, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got to give him some credit. He, he, he is a family man. He likes to do everything with his kids. <laughs> yeah, but hang on, hang on. He was he had emu export in there, but that, that shows poor judgment from oh, the very yes, start. Indeed. It's uh, he's showing them the family business, I guess. It's an interesting name, isn't it? Emu Brewery started in 1908, but it was sold to uh, Bondi's Group, Swan Brewery, um, but much earlier, much before Bond. All right, gentlemen, it's lovely to have a, uh, an informed and unusual and humorous look at some subjects as well. Thank you very much for your time. You're welcome, David. Brian Smith and Errol Smith, where we were talking some quirky news in the wonderful world of motoring and transport.